All right, well, we started this series last week, What Makes You Happy? And uh, some of you this last week, uh, the events of this last week made you so happy. And for some of you, it made you so not happy, right? Um, And uh, it's just amazing to me. I have good friends um, that are super happy, and I have a lot of friends who are super not and, uh, and so it's just uh, interesting, and it's, I think it's a good dialogue and maybe a, a, a good chance for us to take a step back and say, what is it that actually really should make me happy? And, uh, and does God have anything to say with that? And last week, we jumped in, and if you missed last week, we'd encourage you to catch up online on our YouTube channel, and you can watch last week's message. But uh, we basically, we said, you know what, happiness is way more about a who than a what. And the reason, I think maybe the most compelling reason we know that kind of intuitively is if you've been, you know, beside anyone on their deathbed, I have been beside a lot of people on their deathbed, haven't yet heard anyone say, Eric, um, love you, buddy, Uh, family, love you, but, you know, could you bring me my shoes? Because I I just want to spend my last couple moments with my shoes. Just never heard that. Never heard a guy say, could you wheel me out to my truck just one last time? I just, I just want to look at my truck just one last Just never heard that. See, and I, I think when we, when we look at that, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's the who's that you're kind of wanting to make things right with, to kind of reconcile things with, and, uh, and that should clue us in to what really should be making us happy. The other thing that we talked about last week, and I think it's kind of interesting, um, is this dichotomy of, of, you ever heard, you should be holy, not necessarily happy, right? I mean, God's way more concerned about just your holiness than he is your happiness. And, and uh, I, in fact, I grew up singing this song, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. You guys must have been Baptist. But... Uh, <laughs> But you wouldn't have been because you can't clap your hands if you're Baptist because I grew up Baptist and you're like, if you're happy and you know it, clap. Uh, we, we don't clap our hands. So uh, it was just really awkward. We, and, and so we didn't, we sang clap your hands, but it sounded more like this. If you're happy and you know it, repent. That's kind of what it sounded like to us. And, 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 it, and it was, it was like, man, we always thought it's one or the other. You can either go down this road that's going to make you happy or you can go with God. But you can't have both. I mean, when I was growing up, it's like you, you choose one or the other. If you're in high school, it's like, you know what, if you want to go down the happy road, here's, here's where you're going to go. But if you're going to go down the God road, <laughs> you're not going to be happy. That's not the happy road. That's the holy road. You're going to go down that road, and, and you know, it, it, it's okay, but that road's boring. That, that road impedes your happiness. That road, you know, it doesn't lead to the destination of happiness. We thought for sure this road led to the, 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 the destination of happiness, and yet many of us who, you know, are my contemporaries, who are my peers that went down this road, they, they figured out that road actually leads to the city of pain, I mean, it might have been happy for a while, but the destination of that path was pain. And some people, in fact, maybe this is why you're even, you know, checking out online or you're checking the crossing out in person because you're like, you know what, I, I chose the happy road. I didn't choose the God road. That's one reason why I'm, I didn't go to church and I'm not really a part, but man, I've, I've been visiting the city of pain a few times and I don't really like it. 
And so I'm just, I'm thinking maybe I chose the wrong path. I'm thinking, and maybe it's too late for me. Maybe there's not any happiness left for me, but there's part of me that thinks maybe I should have checked the God road pathway out. And what's interesting is Jesus talks about the pathway to happiness. In fact, the most famous sermon that he's preached was the Beatitudes. In fact, it was a sermon that, that uh, he, he, he preached several times. And, uh, and what's kind of interesting is blessed, the Beatitudes comes from blessed are, blessed is the, the Greek word is makarios, it means fortunate or happy. Happy are those who, fortunate are those who, blessed are those who, or blessed are those who. So what I would love to do this morning, we're going to look at um, more verses than maybe we would uh, normally, and if you brought your Bibles, you can open it to Matthew chapter 5. If you brought your Bible on, on your phone, you can go to Version and uh, follow along there. But this is what I'd want to do. I want to say, look at these verses, because the author of life gives us a clue. He gives us, gave us the capacity for happiness, and I don't think he would have given us the capacity for happiness if he didn't want us to exercise it. If he didn't say, you know what, I created you with a capacity for happiness, and now I'm going to show you what it takes to do that. And so I want to look at each one of these, and then as we're looking through it, I want you to kind of be asking yourself, okay, What's the common denominator through all of these? And in the end, we're going to look at the whole thing and say, okay, what's the, what's the overriding principle that we can either leverage to our benefit that would lead us to happiness or break ourselves against it? All right? So here we go. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds... He went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and began to teach them. Now, there's three different groups of people, and sometimes it's a little confusing because we think when when the New Testament writers say disciples, we just assume it was the 12, right? If you know anything about the Bible, know anything about Jesus, Jesus had 12 disciples that later became known as apostles, But Jesus had a bunch of disciples, okay? So there was a bunch of disciples that would follow him from town to town to town. And but then he had the 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 12 disciples that were the closest ones to him. And so there's the 12, there's the disciples, and then there's the crowds, okay? So three different groups of people. Jesus sees the crowds coming and he goes up on the mountainside and he's like, here's an opportunity to be able to teach them. And I would think, you know what? One of the things that's on their mind is the same thing that's on our minds. Jesus, what is it in this life that's going to make us happy? He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus, he doesn't waste any time. He dives right in to the very thing that, that uh, we oftentimes, you know, think and we wrongly think. We just think, you know what, it's the rich people who have all the happiness. I mean, if you're rich, if you have some stuff, that's, what, that's where happiness is. And we think rich people are happy, poor people are not happy. 
And Jesus is like, no, there's poor people who aren't happy, there's poor people who are happy. There's rich people who are happy, and there's rich people who aren't happy. It really doesn't have anything to do with the stuff. To be poor in spirit, to be poor in spirit means people who embrace their daily dependence on God regardless of what they have. They declare their daily dependence on God regardless of what they have. Poor people who every day, in fact, it might be easier for poor people because they don't have a whole lot of stuff and it is easier for them to declare their daily dependence on God for provision than it is for rich people. So it might be easier for a poor person, but I'm telling you, there's rich people all over the place who every single day have have disciplined themselves and taught themselves to say, you know what, this has just been placed into my hands by God. I understand where it comes from. I understand it has just been placed into my hands for a short period of time to manage for my God. And you know what? Every single day I'm going to get up and I'm going to say, God, I am trusting you for provision for this day. I am not transferring my trust to my stuff. In fact, The moment you put your trust in riches instead of him who richly provides, you will become unhappy. The minute you transfer your trust from from the stuff and and you're like, God, I'm trusting you, I'm trusting you, and and God places something into your hands and all of a sudden you just see yourself kind of beginning to place your trust in this stuff. You're starting to put your trust in the bank account. You're starting to put your trust in the 401k. You're starting to put your trust in all of the the things that you've accumulated. And God just says, the minute you do that, you are transferring your happiness as well. You are undermining your happiness. And the reason why is when you switch your trust from God to your riches, you must control outcomes. And you and I cannot control outcomes. And when you and I try to control outcomes, I'm telling you, you will be stressed out. You will will try and do it all in your own effort. You will start taking tomorrow's worries and start pulling them into today. Today. When Jesus says, leave tomorrow's worries into tomorrow, just deal with today. And you will take all of that and you will pull it in because you're trying to create an outcome that you have no control to create. I'm telling you, even if you don't take, the, you know, you don't take Jesus seriously, you, you don't think he's the son of God, you should read what he says because what he says in his insights to happiness is brilliant. And if you've lived any life at all, I'm telling you what, you have experienced this, haven't you? I have. Where I've transferred my trust to my stuff, and then all of a sudden I'm trying to create outcomes that I can't create, and all of a sudden I have stress around it. I have worry around it. And Jesus just says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Happy are those who have learned to trust God for their daily provision. Moving on, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. 
Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. I mean, I remember reading this as a kid in, in high school, and you're still you're trying to figure the Bible out in front of you. You're just like, I'm still trying to figure the Bible out. It's like, blessed are those who mourn. That doesn't seem like a, it really goes together. But here's the thing. People who mourn, they're, they're, they are emotionally connected. People who mourn, they, they understand that there is, that death is a part of life. And in our culture, we, we try to sanitize this. We try to sanitize death. In fact, we don't want to think that our lives are bookended to beginning and end. We, we don't want to think about that. We are fine with the beginning. We are not fine with the end, right? I just kind of want to avoid that. In fact, when someone passes away and, and maybe you kind of knew them, you're like, I, I, got, I need to go to the funeral so they know I was at the funeral, but you kind of sit in the back and you, you don't really want to listen. You don't even really want to face it. You get out of there as soon as you can, try and brush it off because you don't want to think about the fact that someday you're going to be in the same place. People who mourn embrace the fact that death is a part of life. They're emotionally connected. And this is something, as a pastor, I see all the time. Fear of dying will rob you of the joy of living. If you are so worried about this back end that you're going to do anything that you can do, I mean, you, you are so focused on making sure and you're so careful and, and you're doing every, and all the stuff and you're so worried about the, the, the other end and in the middle of all of that, you will forget to live. Your fear of dying will rob you of the joy of living. Happy are those who mourn, who are emotionally connected, who understand that, you know what, death is a part of life. And those who understand that the creator of this world, that Jesus has provided a way for life eternal, that you know what? Yes, this physical life is bookended, but this isn't all there is to life. And when you understand that and you look at it and you face it and you embrace it, I'm telling you, you are able to live in a way that most people on this planet will never understand and be able to live. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This one, I remember reading this one in high school, and it's like, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, in fact, I don't even know what that word means, but I don't think I want to be that. Because that sounds like girl stuff to me, and I don't, I don't want to be a girl. Meek just sounds weak to me. I don't want to be that. And so when you kind of begin to understand what, what is meekness, <laughs> meekness is a proper estimation or valuation of oneself within the context of God's creation and love. You know, when I think about the guy that I want to marry my daughter, you know, it's like, do I want him to be meek? You know, it's like, I don't know. But see, when I understand what meek is, it's like, Yes. Yes, I do. You know why? Because meek people have great, great self-awareness. They understand. They don't think too lowly of themselves. They don't think too highly of themselves. They understand 
who has created them, they understand, you know what? This life isn't about me. I am not the center of the universe. I have value, but I'm not the value of everything. I am not all that's valuable. I am meek. I have great self-awareness of how God's created me. And I, and I embrace that. I step into that no matter what that is. Meek people have great emotional health. And do you know what emotionally healthy people enjoy? Happiness. Emotionally healthy people are happy people. So when you understand what meekness is, it's like, yeah, bring on some of that. I want to be, I want to have great self-awareness. Happy are those who are meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Happy are those who do the right thing. Happy are those who do the right thing even when it costs them. <laughs> Happy are those who, who do the right thing. It's kind of it's interesting. You know, troublemakers, I don't know if you've noticed this, but troublemakers are generally not happy. Have, have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? Those who thirst for righteousness, who want to do the right thing. See, happy are those with no guilt, no regret, and a clear conscience because they're committed to doing the right thing. And do you know why they're happy? It comes back to what we talked about last week because they have peace with themselves, they have peace with others, and they have peace with God. Happy are those who hunger for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Happy are those who are relationally generous. If you haven't watched our series, Killing It, you've got to please, 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 please go to our YouTube channel and watch the series, Killing It, because I'm telling you, this is what it's talking about. It is impossible for us to have any sort of, you know, happiness in this life when we allow a root of bitterness to take over our life, when we allow anger to control our life, when we don't know how to be relationally generous. And that series, that's exactly what we talked about. We, drew, we, we dove in deep into how do you, what is anger, what's behind it, and then how do you deal with it, how do you reconcile it? See, people who give mercy, they, they have decided to extend, you fill in the blank. Is it your father? Is it your boss? Is it your mom? Is it a sibling? Is it a coworker? Is it an ex? Is it your neighbor? Someone else? They've decided to extend to them exactly what they didn't deserve. Just like your heavenly father has given you exactly what you didn't deserve and what I didn't deserve. The only way that we will maintain any sort of happiness in this life is if we become good 
at showing mercy. Happy are those who are merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. One of the things that I hear from people who have struggled with porn or are addicted to porn, every single time, every single person that I have talked to that has struggled with porn, here's what they tell me. You know what, Eric? It just, it's like, it, it's like it, it, it clouds my vision. It's like I can't, I can't see. It's like I become numb. I don't even feel. I can't, I, I can't feel anything. I can't really see anything. You want to see God? You want to have clarity of what God is saying to you and clarity to what God wants to do in your life and clarity to what God's will is for you in your life? Purity is what will take you there. I don't know why there's a correlation between those two things, but that's just the way God made the world. And so if you're struggling with porn and you, and you, and, and you see yourself just like, I'm just becoming numb to the world and, and in fact it's separating me from those around me and I don't even really know why. Because sin separates and it clouds our vision. And Jesus just says, if you want to see God, happy are those who are the pure in heart. For if you will go down that path, you will see God. It's brilliant. It's deeply insightful. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Sometimes we think bullies are the happy ones, right? Because they're, you know, they're kind of they're kind of bold and they're putting everyone else down. And when you're on the receiving end of that, it's not very fun, right? It doesn't make you too happy. And you're thinking, maybe they're the happy ones. I don't, they're so happy with themselves, they're willing to put everyone else down. And you, I think sometimes we don't have the, the emotional uh, maturity to deal with it because lots of times it's, it's happening in, in our younger years. And to find out that really the bullies and those who are making trouble are not the happy ones. In fact, they're so unhappy, they've made it their life's goal to make sure that since they can't be happy, nobody else should be happy either. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Happy are the reconcilers. Happy are those who who reconcile relationships, who make peace in relationships. So I hope that you're, you're thinking as we're running through these, and I realize we're, we're going through them pretty fast. What the common, what's the common denominator in all of these? Blessed are those who are persecuted. Okay, time out. All right, okay, Eric, I was going with you there for a while, but um, those two words don't go together. Blessed, happy, persecuted, no. No, not, no, I don't, I'm not thinking those two things go together. But Jesus is like, just hold on. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I'm telling you what, this insight is so rich. It's so rich. What Jesus is saying is, look, you are going to suffer in this life. You're going to suffer for either doing the right thing or you're going to suffer for doing the wrong thing. But you can only be happy on one side of that ledger. All of you are going to suffer in this life because there's sin in this life and sin brings suffering to all of us. Jesus followers, non-Jesus followers. You are going to suffer in this life. Now, the question is, which thing are you going to suffer for? Are you going to suffer for doing the right thing or are you going to suffer for doing the wrong thing? But you can only have happiness on one side of the ledger because you can only keep your peace on one side of that ledger. Brilliant. I'm telling you, if you don't think Jesus is the Son of God, you should, you should at least read what he has to say. Because I'm telling you, it's unbelievably true. See, sometimes we think, you know, it's like, Eric, that's why I became a Jesus follower, so I, you know, because I thought if I did, God would make my life easier and I wouldn't suffer. <laughs> You are going to suffer in this life. But you have a choice. You, you will either suffer for doing the right thing or you will suffer for doing the wrong thing. But if you suffer for doing the right thing, you will maintain your peace with yourself and you will maintain your peace with God. And you can suffer hard things in this life and maintain your happiness. That's amazing. So, what's the overarching principle? What's the common denominator? In all these things, as we, as we step back and kind of take the 30,000 foot view, what's the common denominator in all of these things? Happiness is an outcome. Happiness is an outcome. That is a principle. And you know what? You sow and you reap your way there. Some of you have sowed and you reaped your way to unhappiness. I have great news for you. You can begin today sowing and reaping your way. If you went down that path, even as, you know, a middle schooler and a high schooler and a college student, and, you know, maybe you followed God for a while and you're like, um, you know, I suffered for doing the right thing. I might as well just go down this other path because I think that might lead to happiness and you, led, you went down that path and it led to the city of pain and maybe you're living there and you've lived there for a while now and you're wondering, how, how could I ever, I, I, I've made too many wrong decisions. There's no way in the world I could have happiness in this life. You need to know, you know what? It might not be immediately available to you, but you can sow and you can reap your way there. That is a principle. You can either leverage it, you can come underneath it, submit to it, and make decisions in that, in all of what Jesus and what we just covered, and leverage it to your benefit, or you can break yourself against it. But happiness, it's an outcome. And crossing, we live in a world that does not live by these principles. 
Wide is the path that leads to destruction. And the thing that, that, you know, lures people into it is the promise of happiness. But it's burned most of us, hasn't it? And so Jesus just says, hey, come on back. You can sow and reap your way back to happiness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love and your grace. Oh, how we need your grace. God, I, I would imagine all of us who have lived any life at all, we have chosen at times to go down that wide path, believing what the world tells us that if we just have, you know, some what, it, it will make us happy. And then when that doesn't make us happy, it tells us that if we have bigger what or more expensive what or more of the what, then that would make us happy. And so we decide to do that and we get ourselves strapped in all kinds of debt and we, we try to control outcomes and we're filled with stress and anxiety and God... And here you are, you could just wag your finger at us and say, look at how silly you guys are. And yet you don't. You you say, I'm inviting you back. I love you. I want you to be happy. I've created you for the capacity to be happy. And I, I, I desire that for you. And I've given you the pathway to get there. So Jesus, I pray that if this is brand new to someone's ears this morning, that they would have the courage to begin sowing, realizing that sowing is a daily decision. It's a daily decision. That they would be committed and have the courage to make those daily decisions. And God, that over time, they would begin to reap the benefit of a decision of following you and what that means for them. So God, there's going to be some some chains that are going to have to be broken. There's going to be some things that are, man, they're going to have to do things differently. So I pray that you would give them the courage to make those decisions this morning. Thank you for a fun morning. Thank you for a happy day. Thank you for the people that we get to share it with. God, I'm, I'm so blessed to be able to be in the same room with a bunch of great people. So thank you for that. I pray that you would use this church in extraordinary ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, Crossing. Hello, Livestream. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been a while since I've been here on this hot seat. I feel like I'm on the hot seat. No, yeah. I'm asking the questions. Feel all this pressure on me all yeah. of a sudden. I like it. God, it's like riding a bike, except for <laughs> I'm on a rolly chair. <laughs> um, well, first, I just want to point out that it's Be Rich Sunday, which is so exciting. Um, and so Dad talked about everything that the crossing did, everything that you guys um, poured into, you you used your resources in time, you used your resources in money, um, and you gave, and you gave, and you gave, and you gave, and that is awesome. So yeah. um, you, what were, what were all of the uh, ministries impacted by all of that? Yeah, so um, 
Deborah's Legacy, we actually uh, did some service stuff for them. Um, they uh, step into um, gals who struggle with uh, drug addiction, and it's an in, in mm. it's a residency um, uh, ministry. And uh, so we um, are giving to them as well as we did some service projects for them. We gave to Wildflower Ministries, uh, which is yourself and Ellie, um, who uh, minister to middle school and high school girls, wanting them to, to live free from lies, labels, and limits. And, uh, and then we gave to Heartbeat, which uh, is Deb Adams, which you saw today. Um, and uh, just cool being able to fund ultrasounds. But then we served at Camp Kamika. We served at Maranatha Ministries uh, in a couple of different places. And uh, so got to serve in a lot of different uh, areas. Yes, that is really, really cool. And that's a great segue into what you talked about this morning. So um, being happy, and there is a very, very... um, large gap in what the world says will make you happy and what God says will make you happy. I guarantee the world is not going to go out and preach to you and say, hey, you're being persecuted. (laughs) Isn't that great? That's awesome. I bet you're so happy. Oh, I don't think that happens very often. Um, So dive into like... um, the crossing is dedicated to giving time. The crossing is dedicated to giving energy. The cr- crossing is dedicated to giving resources. Um, how does that divide into like each person seeking happiness? Like, is a nat- it's a natural thing for us to do. Each person seeks happiness. How can they find it in giving, giving, yeah. giving, giving? So, be rich is all about corporately showing everyone what we want them to be doing individually all the time. Um, and I think the, the disconnect is we think that holding on to our life is going to bring happiness. Jesus is like, it's actually not. It's giving your life away. So, so pouring your life out, uh, in, in whether it's service, whether it's generosity, um, whatever it is, when your focus is on others and serving them and not just on yourself, you are a way happier person. And so Be Rich is a chance for us corporately to do what we want the church to be doing individually yeah. through the every week. Yes. Yeah. And we learned a new word today, meek. Yes. Meek. You yes. know what's funny? I was listening and I was like I want your future husband to be meek. I want my future husband to be meek. Are you serious? <laughs> that sounds pretty attractive. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um it was funny as you were talking because you would say meek and I would think you were saying me. So I want her future husband to be me. <laughs> Great. Okay. That, no, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> um, but diving into being meek, like what is something practical, applicable that we can do to be, to practice being meek us ourselves to be more aware of God in our lives? Yeah, this is the hard thing. You got to allow someone else to maybe mm. speak into you and tell you something that they see in you that you're not self-aware of. That yes is difficult, um, and so because we all have some blind spots, and so uh, I just think making a decision that I want in my life to become more and more self-aware, because uh, self-aware people generally become emotionally healthy people. Yeah. And that 
That's huge. Yeah, that is huge. That is huge, and that is very, very important. Thank you so much, Crossing, for not only giving your time, giving your resources, and being part of this Be Ridge campaign. You're also spending your time this Sunday morning watching the live stream, and we are so glad you're here. We hope that you learned something. We hope that you are able to take one step towards sowing and reaping happiness in your life. Have a great week, Crossing.